0: Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast. Our mission of teaching people to love God by showing them how much he loves us starts right now. Guys, I was thinking these past
1: few days about really, really about the last six months and what it meant really in terms of hardships for people. I mean, real hardships. Like, I would sit there and I think when all this started back in March, our economy was doing well. Unemployment rate was down, and life seemed just about as normal as you can get. As a matter of fact, as we headed into the year 2020, it was exciting, because we were believing that God could give us 2020 vision moving forward, right? We were going to have clear vision. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, our world, guys, as we know it, just turned upside down. And hardships, if you will, have been felt. It's been tough. COVID-19, guys, has claimed lives, no doubt about that. Now, as I was thinking about this, I kind of got on my computer and I said, I- I'm going to see really the hardships like like you know the crew I hang around with and 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 my life as a pastor it didn't really change, it didn't really stop. I mean, the fact that people aren't here was just a little bit different, but we were we were still preaching, we were still teaching, we were still trying to minister to the community outside the four walls of the church. So my life didn't change and I know a lot of yours didn't too. You stayed working. The you were essential. And you went to work every day. But I got to thinking, I got to thinking, I want to see how hard life had really become. Not only on a on a local level, but a national level. And so I went on the computer and I said, okay, so let, let's talk about suicide. Let's talk about suicide. And so here, here's what I found. I found the nation's suicide rates reached historic highs prior to COVID-19 pandemic. With rates at the highest levels since World War II, they go on to blame it on economic and social pressures of the year. It heightened the risks, and it worried experts, on health officials and lawmakers. And all of a sudden, divorce rate went through the window, went up. Out, I mean, suicides. It just, it, it was nuts. I mean, it was just, it was just at an all-time high. Now. That's sobering enough to think that there are people in our world who feel like they have no hope looking forward. I think of the young man, the story I heard of the young man, 12 years old, who took his own life. And the dad got up and he said, I want to tell you a story how COVID Took my son. Everybody went. Oh, I knew it. I knew that there was. COVID. I knew it was. And he goes, no, no, no. It's not what you think. But somehow, some way, COVID was too much for this young man who decided to end his life early. Then I decided to look at the divorce rates. And the fact that people were now—and I know this is weird, is it not? Because here's how it happens: when you're dating, all you want to do is spend time with her. That's all you want to do. Hey, what, hey, baby, what are you gonna do? Can I come over? Hey, and, and that's all we do. But, but but the funny part is is that when they made you stay home, when they put you and they and they said, "Listen, we're gonna do a stay-at-home mandate." Do you realize that there was so much tension in the homes that people were divorcing? Yeah, of course, I'm sure many of them were on the edge, and, and this was like, no, 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 that's all we wanted to do. If you're dating, you're like, hey, can we, baby, can we quarantine together? 14 days together, that'd be awesome. But now it's changed, and the divorce rate went through the roof. And I think of unemployment. Check this out, guys. Unemployment, guys, in the state of Texas, according to the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics, said this. In June of 2019, the state of Texas was at 3.4% unemployment. 34 That's great. That's great. People had jobs. They were going to work. Now, July of 2020... We were at 8%. But the record high was April of this year at 13.5%. 13.5%. Guys, listen, listen. That was just Texas. There's no hardship. Now, now listen, those are statistics, but think about this. This is real-life people who are not working out of a job struggling to put food on the table. Other places, guys, in the United States were at a were at all time high this was the other nineteen point five percent unemployment rate. Guys, there are people who had true hardships. And they were facing life with no hope, yet we as believers understand something a little bit different. You go, what's that? That God was working in these hardships to help us grow stronger in our faith. And you go, amen. Okay, so Ben, you're saying that there's hardships, but you know that God is out there and He's working. Is He not working in our lives? Okay. But we can still be left scratching our head, couldn't we? Because that really is a trial. And like, 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 when we're sitting there and, and we've just come out of a trial, we're like, okay, I don't want to go through that again. But the issue is, is when we're in a trial, we're, we're sitting here, guys, and, and we're scratching our heads. And, and if we're honest, when you're in a trial, you're often asking, why? And I've heard so many times why so many people, why does God allow this to happen? Why does God allow this to happen? As a matter of fact, I heard a story just this week, a Sunday school kid, okay, was asking his Sunday school teacher, this is a true story, little kid was asking, he says, "He says, teacher, if God is all-powerful, if God is all-powerful, why doesn't he put the devil in his place and fix this world? That's a good question. I'm pretty sure we've asked that question ourselves a time or two. If God is so big, if he's so, why, why COVID-19? Why are people getting sick? Why are people dying I don't want to talk about what I don't know I want to talk about what I do know and you go what's that here's what I do know I know that this side of heaven guys we're only going to catch glimpses of the big picture You see, God tells us, Alex, to walk by faith and to trust him, the sovereignty of God, that we don't see the big picture, but he does. And this side, I'll get a little snapshot here and there, but I don't know the big picture. And I don't understand why, you know, coronavirus hit the United States or the world. I don't understand why people died from COVID-19. I don't understand why in September we're not on the upswing and we're not getting better. I don't understand, but God does. And so I have to go, okay, good. okay. Okay, I okay, see. I need to trust in the sovereignty of God. But I need to find rest. And rest is, rest is this. You ready? Peace that you know, church, that God has it all in the palm of his hand. That's where rest comes for. And two points I want to quickly point out. You ready? In the midst of hardships, number one, jot this down. In life's hardships, don't take God out of the equation. He should always be the first one. Don't take God out of the equation. I'm not sure what's happening. I don't know what's going on. I don't know why people are doing this. I don't know why this is... I don't know why... Okay, God, what do you see? Let me put you first. That's the first thing. When I take God out of the equation in my hardship, my trial, my tribulation, I am left... Depressed, stressed, I really am without God, I have no hope you You want me to hope that the economy is going to get better? Well, how long is this thing going to take? You want me to hope that maybe you know that somebody 's going to flip a switch and say oh it 's all back to normal i don 't know, guys. Number two, jot this down. We must trust the sovereignty of God. And you go, What's what does that mean? Well, sovereignty, if you're taking note, is the supreme power and authority. We need to understand that God is in heaven, and he's allowing, he's directing, he's guiding for his purposes, for his purposes. So Ben, 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 got a question, got a question. I need to not take out of the equation, I need to trust in sovereignty. Can I get an Amen. So what do we do? What do we do in these uncertain times? What do we do come October? What do we do come November? What I mean, what what do we do? Well, I want to remind you what Pastor Chuck used to tell us. There are times when they go, listen, I'm just waiting for more information. I don't know what God's doing, but I'm going to wait for more information. You see, it's okay to go, I don't know. Oh, man, what's going to happen? I don't know. But I know God does, and I'll just wait. I'll just wait. Waiting for more, and you go well, Ben, Ben, Ben. Okay, so you want us to wait for more information? Why do you bring this up? Listen, here's why I bring this up. Listen, I bring this up because I think when I think of Joseph, guys, when I think of Joseph, I, I wonder if he ever thought, okay, okay, I I need more information. I am sure that my that, that Joseph said, I'm I'm not sure what's happening. I'm not sure why old Joe was thrown in the pit by his own family. Only to be pulled out, tears are coming down, ugly cry. Why are you doing this to me, bro? Why are you doing this to me? Only to be sold to a band of Midianites into slavery. You see, old Joe loved Jesus, if you will. Joe loved God. And I'm sure he's going, why are you allowing this to happen? I'm sure Joe said, God, if you loved me, you wouldn't allow this to happen. But I've, I don't know. I don't know. It seemed like, okay, I've accepted my circumstance. I, I got this. Until Joe was doing well, until that faithful day, he was caught by who? Potiphar's wife, wanting to have sex with him. And what does he do? He honors God by he runs out of the house. She grabs the coat. He runs out. What does she do? She yells, rape. He's going, what? Now, Alex, you don't understand. Alex, I, I love God. What happened? I don't know, man. Hey, hey, Pastor Soph, you have 30 minutes to counsel Joseph. What do you tell him? I don't know, man. I don't know, but God, but God, but God what? So, but God what? Because I was falsely accused and now I'm in prison. Wow. That's trippy, man. Here's the point. You guys ready? God had a plan. And even though Joseph didn't understand it, eventually he would come to know God's plan to save the world. You you understand that. He would be part of an amazing plan. Now, listen to me. The road to the palace is a hard one. Now, let me have your attention, okay, because here's what happens. When I say, hey, how many of you want to be a Joseph? I do, but nobody wants to get in the pit. Hey, who wants the heart of a Joseph? I do, but nobody wants to be in the prison. We all look at the, at the palace, Joseph, and go, man, that's what I'd like to be. I'd like to be the boss. I'd like to be the leader. I'd like to be this guy. I'd like to be that guy. But the road to the palace, church, listen to me. The, Lord to the, the road to the palace is a hard one. But nonetheless, it was ultimately God's perfect plan. And Joseph listen to me, could live through the ups and the downs, even though he didn't see or he didn't understand, even though he said, man, I don't know what's going on, waiting for more information. He knew he could. Why? Because Joseph kept his eyes on God. Here is my exhortation to you, church. Listen to me. Those of you watching online, those of you that are here, keep your eyes on God. Keep your eyes keep your heart on God. Don't waver. You go, Ben, I don't know what's going I know. I'm with you. Let's lock arms, but let's keep our eyes on God. Why? Because proper perspective brings proper balance in our lives. Proper perspective brings proper balance in our lives. We've got to keep our eyes on God. That's what Joseph did. That's what Joseph did. Listen, if Joseph lived through COVID-19, he would keep his eyes on God. He would keep his uh, Okay, what do we, we need to look for with? Okay, keep your eyes. See, as we come to Genesis 46, we see one of the greatest family reunions in biblical history. Joseph, He sends his brothers back to Canaan. Go get dad. Get the family. Here's the cars. This is going to be amazing. And here's what he knows. Listen to me, church. He knows there are only two years into the famine. And that it's going to get worse. How many years were in the famine? Seven. There's only two. He's got five left. How many months are we in this COVID thing? Oh... What if we knew? What if we said, it's going to get worse? Could we keep our eyes on God? Could we walk in proper perspective? Could we be wise like a Joseph? Guys, every day I wake up, listen to me. Every day I wake up, I ask the Lord Jesus, God, give me wisdom. Give me wisdom to see things far beyond. I I, want to be wise. Lord, what are you doing with schools? What are you doing in, with the economy, Lord? To give me wisdom. See, Joseph was wise. He was wise. Think about Joe for a minute. Would you mind? Think about Joe. You go, what's that? Man, for 20 years, guys, he was shedding tears of great sorrow. Asking the Lord, why? Why me? What did I do? Because if you ask 17-year-old Joe, he would say, I love Jesus. And he really did. Because he wasn't, he wasn't playing Christianity. He wasn't playing church. He loved God. He loved God. But now, everybody say, but now. But now, guys, his, he weeps tears of joy. He weeps tears. Think about your life. There were times when you wept tears of great sorrow, and you never thought, "Whoa!" But now, the tears that you that you have are of of great joy. God, I never thought. Whew. Whew. I'll never forget the day. I'll never forget the day that. That uh, we went to the doctor, Natalie and I, five years ago. I'll never forget the day we walked in, and Mr. Martinez sit down. Yes, she has cancer, and and we drove to the Sonic in numb. We drove to the Sonic numb, and and I don't even know what we ordered, but all we could do was cry. Because I don't know what I don't know what Natalie heard, but you know what I heard. It was in slow motion, Mr. Martinez. She's going to die. That's what I heard. But now, five years later, where she's cancer-free and God healed her, I weep tears of joy because I know that's what my God... Do you guys understand? You go, but but, Ben, 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 here's the deal, here's the deal, Ben. But listen, what if she would have died? Definite possibility, right, church? What, What if she would have? But see, I still have tears of great joy because I would know where she'd be. I'd be going, okay. That's what means to trust the sovereignty of God. For he is God. And here's the one thing we need to understand. Our God, our God, listen to me, our God, the Bible says there is no darkness in Him. He doesn't think like we do. He's not sitting there going, oh, listen, let me see if I'm, I'm going to teach them a lesson. There is no darkness in at all. He loves us. He wants the best for us. You know the people who are trying to destroy our country, our lives, the world? God loves them, and he wants the best for them, and he wants wants them to come. He does. You and I, we sometimes go, get him, God, just no, I can't believe this. But God is going. I want you to think about this for a second. I want you to think about this. I want you to think about hell for a second. Eternity apart from God. Not to mention what the Bible talks about, eternal flames and the gnashing of teeth and all of that stuff. I just want you to think being separated from God for eternity is far more than I would wish on any of my worst enemies. And the closer we walk with Jesus, the more we realize, man, I don't want anybody to go there. I don't want anybody to go there. We gotta tell people. We gotta tell people. Time is short. Time is short. So Joe, Joe had 20 years of, of now he's, now he's excited. Why? Dad's coming. Family's coming. This is gonna, you just went to a family reunion, right? Yeah, you know. It's like, whoa. Um, I hope there wasn't drama here, like there was a, other family reunions, you know, but there's always some sort of drama, but let's see. Let's see if there's if there's gonna be some drama here. Let's see. There probably is, but we, we don't know. Let's recap what we, um, where we were last week, okay? Um, we talked about good news. You go, what's good news? The good news with Joseph is alive. That's good news for dad. Look at Genesis 45, 24 through 26. Should be up on the screen here. Notice what it says. Genesis 25 or 45. It says this. So he sent his brothers away, and they departed, and they said to him, See that you do not become troubled along the way. Then he went up out of Egypt, came to the land of Canaan, and Jacob their father, and he told them, saying, Joseph is alive. He is the governor all over the land of Egypt. And Jacob's heart stood still because he did not believe them. That's the thing, guys. Think about it. His brothers, and, and remember, here's the deal. Here's what I keep thinking. I wonder, I wonder, I wonder if the boys were going to be honest with dad. You guys know what I'm talking about? Okay, because Joseph says, hey, guys, he says, um, see that you don't be troubled along the way. Why? Because now they got to go tell dad, we lied. We made a mess of things. Joseph didn't die. We actually sold him into slavery. How are you going to tell dad that? What is Dad going to do? That could give him a heart attack. He could flip out and die. I mean, this is this is heavy stuff. And I wondered. I started thinking. Do you ever think? Do you ever think? And I wondered, man. I wondered, guys. Listen. I wonder if they would be honest with Dad. You go. What do you mean? I mean, I wonder if they would come clean, or they would come and go. Hey, guess what? We found out Joseph's alive. When we found his coat, we thought he was dead. Which is sort of a half-truth, is it not? It's sort of a half You know what a half-truth is? You go, what do you mean? Well, slavery was really a death sentence. The moment they sold him, they could say goodbye to Joseph. They, they, it was dead. He was dead. Whether he'd lived or not, that was a death sentence. You guys with me? So it's sort of a half-truth. Now, you go, Ben, 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 but wait a minute, wait a minute. They would have to come clean, wouldn't they? Because eventually Joseph would tell dad what happened. Yeah, you're right, you're right. You know what I learned? You and I, as devoted followers of Jesus, guys, listen, the point is, we need to come clean with God. We need to come clean with God. Guys, we got to be careful that when it comes to God, we're not trying to blame someone or give him half-truths. Because God knows already. And when we come to him, we must come to him with sincere hearts and say, man, I've blown it. I'm a mess. I'm not saved. Lord, forgive me. I thought about this. Guys, when we come clean with God, listen to me it breaks the chain of bondage in our hearts. And the consequences of coming clean are far better than the pain of bondage for a lifetime. Lord, I messed up. Lord, I'm sorry. Guys, here's the difference. When we walk in religion, Amanda, when we walk in religion and we mess up, we're scared. Don't, I messed up, don't call dad, don't call dad. I'm in trouble, please don't call dad. That's, that's religion. But when you step into a relationship and you mess up, your first thought is, I messed up, I better call dad. I better call dad. And I love that, why? Because, because when we tell dad, we can come clean and we can be honest. And those of you that are parents, wouldn't you much rather your kids tell you the truth up front than give you a half-truth or a lie or try to hide or anything? Well, the blames it was somebody else, it was my friend. Wouldn't you rather your kids go, listen, uh, I blew it, I'm so sorry, I messed up, and then you as parents can deal with it honestly and move forward, right? Isn't that what God wants of us? And so many times you go, oh, man, I messed up, I messed up, I missed." <sighs> what did Adam do? Not this Adam. What did Adam do? When he took, when he took a bite of the, the fruit? He blamed Eve, didn't he? Well, he actually blamed God, but he goes, Lord, that woman you gave me, Listen, I wouldn't have sinned if it wasn't for her. That's what he did. What a great lesson we can learn. Why? Because we tend to do that when we get busted. When we get caught. Lord, it was that person's fault. Lord, it was this. No, no, no. I did it. I'm sorry, God. I'm sorry. That's what Joseph, I mean, I I think about that. What, what great, what great application. But then here, here's what happens, guys. Here's what happens. Jacob cuts home. He got some great news. Joseph, my boy, is alive and, and he's in a position to save us from the famine, which was what? Certain death? Okay. Notice verse 27. He says, But when they told him all the words which Joseph had said to them, when he saw the co-carts of Joseph sent to him, To carry them, the spirit of Jacob the father was revived. Then Israel said, it is enough. My son is still alive. I will go and see him before I die. Now here's what I want you to write down right here, okay? Before we move on. Write down that Jacob has to walk by faith and not sight. Why? He doesn't know his boy is alive. They just told him. He has to walk by faith. Okay, I trust you. Let's go. Right? Until when? When's, what's happened? Until verse 26 of this chapter, when his faith actually becomes sight. Why? Because he's gonna run in. He's gonna be reunited with his boy. Ah, everything I read in the Bible, guys, points to our journey with Jesus. Because right now, he's calling us to walk by faith. Walk by faith. I don't know. There is a Jesus. There is a God who came and died on the cross. And he's real. But I'm not going to see him until I see him face to face, until my faith becomes sight. And so again, it's like, man, I can't believe this. I can't believe this. So as we come, as we come to chapter 46, guys, let me give you a quick outline. Has 34 verses. 18 of those verses are the register of those who came to Egypt. Okay? So we'll highlight those. You can read them on your own. So verses 1 through 7, we're gonna see Jacob's journey. And then we're going to finish with him being reunited with Joseph. So in essence, we're going to look at a few verses, but it's the whole chapter. So picking it up, guys, in the life of Joseph, chapter 46, verse 1, says this. So Israel took his journey with all he had, came to Beersheba and offered sacrifices to the God of his father, Isaac. And everybody goes, amen. So Jacob is walking by faith. Jacob is walking by faith. But I need to unpack this verse. Why? Because the first thing we notice is, it says, so Israel, right? Israel? Yeah, I thought his name was Jacob. No, remember God changed his name to Israel. He's walking by faith with his new name. He's got a new name. And this is very commendable. And this is what God calls each one of us to do every day. You go, what's that? Walk by faith with your new name. That's what he's calling us to do. You go, what's our new name? Your new name is Christian. When you give your life to the Lord, you become a Christian. And let me tell you what Christian means. Christian means Christ-like. So when you stand up and you go, I am a... It means you're Christ-like. Christ-like. And we should be so much like Christ that people mistake us for him. We should walk so much like Jesus that people shake their head going, wow, you really represent who God is. You see, sometimes we say, I am a Christian in name only. We buy a t-shirt, we put a bumper sticker on our car, we drive around, we sing kumbaya, we praise music, but we don't live the life of our new name. That's that's the exhortation that God is calling us. Well, that's what Jacob has to do. He has a new name, Israel. So Israel took his journey. Everybody see that? Think about this. What has to happen when you take a journey? You guys ready? What did Jacob have to do? He had to pull his tent pegs up, okay? They can't be so deep that when the times comes, you can't move. Number two, he had to prepare his heart and his mind. Why? Because Egypt was the place they were going. So we need to prepare our hearts and our minds for what? For the journey and its destination. This is great. Well, Ben, 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 what exactly do you mean we need to prepare our hearts and our minds? You ready? Jot this down. Heaven, Jesus, knowing him on earth. Becoming more than a Christian, but becoming a disciple of Jesus. Do you realize that you can become a disciple? You have the word of God. You can become a disciple. You can know him intimately through the power of his Holy Spirit. Oh, man, I just wish I could be one of the disciples. Man, that would have been so cool. It would have been so cool to see Jesus walking on water. That would have been awesome. It would have been so cool when they when we cast the fish out. But, guys, listen, what I'm saying is that we can too. We can too if we'll get in his word and we'll take it seriously. Notice this verse again. I want you to notice here. Jot this down. Uh, Jacob had some doubt. Jacob had some doubt. You go, what do you mean? How so? Guys, he started his journey. Where was he going? Egypt. But he stopped at Beersheba. Do you guys see that? He stopped at Beersheba. Now, think about this. Maybe Jacob had struggled or even wrestled whether he should take his family to Egypt or even after the news that Joseph was alive, right? Oh man, should I go? Should I stay? I don't know, Lord, right? If you found salvation for your family in Egypt with your son, why would you linger and set up camp in Beersheba? Jacob slash Israel, what does he do? He offers sacrifices to God. That's what it says. He offers sacrifices to God. Look at verse 1 again. He says, and he came to Beersheba and offered sacrifices to the God of his father Isaac. Now, let's see. Let's write your story. What would your story be? Man, all of a sudden, hey. Hey. Joseph's alive, man. We're saved. We're saved. There's food there. Let's go. He wants us to go. Look at the carts. Look at the stuff. Let's go. Would you go? We yeah, have, let me stop at Beersheba first. What would your story be? Man, let's go. I'm out. Peace. Right? But he stopped and I started to think, why would he stop? Why would he stop in Beersheba? I wonder if he was, was he doubtful? Was he thinking, Lord, is this, is this from you? And he offers sacrifices. He offers sacrifices. What does that mean? He began to inquire of the Lord. Lord, do I, should I go to Egypt? And it looks like Jacob had some fear about heading down to Egypt. But let me give you just a quick side note. Great application. You guys ready? Make sure you inquire of the Lord before you take that next step. So many times we go, Oh, I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to do it. We should be praying. We should be asking, God, is this what you have for me? Is this what you want? The biggest decisions in your life should be followed by prayer and fasting and waiting on the Lord. Those are the biggest decisions. Even from, should I buy a car? Should I, what should I, Lord, guide me, direct me, give me your peace and wisdom. Church, listen, the biggest trouble Christians get into, people in general, is they go, I want it, I need it, I got to have it, I can't afford it, I'm buying it. And they don't ask God, do they? And the Lord's going, hey, if you'd have asked me, I would have said No. I know you would have got, that's why I didn't ask you. But the problem is, is that that's going to lead you into hardship now. And, come here, Mihito, come here. I had better for you, but you did wait. You go past to the point, pray, seek God, ask him. Why? Because look at verse 2. Then God spoke to Israel. In the visions of the night and said, Jacob, Jacob. And he said, here I am. And he said, I am God of your father. I am God, the God of your father. Do not fear to go down to Egypt for I will make you a great nation there. I will go down with you to Egypt. I will also bring you up again and Joseph will put his hand on your eyes. I love this verse. Guys, if you're a highlighter, highlight this verse because I'm going to tell you, I'm going to share something with you that's so cool. Why? because God just assured Jacob that he was going to do he was doing the right thing going to Egypt. It was Egypt that the Lord would prosper their growth from a tribal clan to a great nation. Okay? So God spoke to him in a vision by night, he calls him Jacob, Jacob, says, "Do not fear. Do not fear." Listen, I totally love this. Why? Because because we might make it sound like God is mad. Jacob, I told you go to Egypt, but that's not what it is. Guys, it's the most comforting thing. Jacob, fear not. Fear not. Did you know it's been said that there are 365 fear nots in the Bible? And it's said that there's one for every day of our lives. And I looked that up, and what I found is there's actually more. There's actually more. But I love the fact that the Lord does say to you and I, as we journey from here, not to fear. To fear not. See, God doesn't want us to go a single day without the word of comfort. Fear not. Don't be afraid, Becky. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. And l- let me give you some quick examples of, of some fears, right? Some 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 do not fear prayers or fear not prayers. First John four eleven says this. It said beloved. If God so loved us, we also should love one another. And then he goes, amen. But look at verse 18. Here's what he says. Verse 18. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. Right? Why why, why, why are we not to fear, guys? Why are we not to fear? Because there is no fear in love, and perfect fear, what? Perfect love casts out fear. In fear, guys, involves punishment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. Why are you not supposed to fear? Because you've been made perfect in love. Let me give you another one. Psalm 56, 3 and 4 says this. Whenever I'm afraid, I will trust in you. In God, I will praise his word. In God, I have put my trust. I will not fear. What can flesh do to me? Look at verse uh, ten, eleven of the same chapter, 56. says this. In God, I will praise his word. In the Lord, I will praise his word. In God, I have put my trust. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? Guys, these are some great prayers. Lord, I trust you. I trust you. So, what if somebody kills you? What can man do? What well, they could kill me. For me to live is Christ to die is game. Right? We're all on a journey to heaven. We're just stopping through. We're all on a journey. But he gives them some assurance. I don't know if you caught that. He says, Joseph, you're going to put your hand on his eyes. Do you guys see that? Do you know what that means? He says Joseph is going to close your eyes in death. Hey, Jacob, listen, bro, you're gonna to go to Egypt, but you're gonna die there. You're gonna die there. That's okay. I'm gonna bring you back to the land I promised you, but I'm gonna make you a great nation first. You go, well, Ben, why, why, why did you Have me highlight it. Well, let's go on and I'll tell you. Look at verse 5. Then Jacob arose from Beersheba, and the sons of Israel carried their father Jacob, their little ones, their wives, their carts with Pharaoh, had sent to him. They took their livestock and their goods, which they had acquired in the land of Canaan, and went to Egypt, Jacob and all descendants with him, his sons and his sons' sons, daughters and his sons' daughters, and all the descendants he brought with him to Egypt. Now, here's what I want you to see. So with God's assurance, they packed up and headed towards Egypt. Still walking by faith with, what, what was it? The word of God. This was God's ultimate word. Jacob, don't worry. I got you. Go. He heard that from God. This was God's word. And I thought, wow. Jacob got up and he booked it right away with comfort and assurance. Why? Because he had the Word of God. And I think, guys, listen, he calls us Christians, guys, to walk by faith with God's Word as comfort and assurance. We need no other. So let me ask you a question. If you watch the news 24 7, are you comforted? Is there peace? Is there joy in your life? You're going, no, Ben, no. That stuff, man, it drives me nuts. I cannot, I can't even stand five minutes of it. That's the point, guys. You're called on a different, you're called to be different. You're called to walk this journey. You're called to walk this journey with what? To walk by faith and not by sight, but you have the word of God with you. This should be tucked in, guys, deep in our heart, the word of God, the word of God. If you want peace in your life, You want peace in your marriage. You want peace in... It's got to be in God's Word. I promise you, there is no other. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, as the words illuminate, not only do you read this, but they begin to read you, and it brings peace in your life. What can man do to us? What can man do to us? I have the Word of God. I have the Word of God. So as we journey in life to our final destination, what should we learn? You ready, Rosa? First and foremost, make sure your your tent pegs are not too deep. Make sure your tent pegs are not too deep. You go, what do you mean? Make sure that you, you, man, the Lord says we're moving. You go, amen, let's go. You go, what do you mean? The good Lord says right now, listen, I'm calling you home. You're like, I'm ready to go. There's nothing in this world that wants to, that, that, that would keep me here. I don't want my tent pegs too deep. Nothing tangible, if you know what I mean. You go, what else? It says, well, we need to make sure that we're inquiring of the Lord. We need to make sure that we know God's word. Why? Because there is going to be times of stress and times of trouble. And I want comfort from God's word. Okay, something about this to think about, something to think about. Put on your thinking caps, church. The road to Egypt could be hard. It may not be an easy thing. It may not be an easy life in Egypt. Egypt may be hard, it may be difficult, it may be different. You realize that, right? Because all we read is that Jacob is going to go to Egypt. He's going to live in the land of Goshen, but we don't understand the road to get there. We don't understand what what this is going to take, and we don't know what life in Egypt is going to be like. Why? Because God called him to the land of Canaan. You go, okay, I get your point, Pastor. What What are you trying to say? Jacob needs God's word as comfort, peace, and assurance. Why? If he doesn't stand upon God's word, there's a chance Jacob could go back. I know God told me to go to Egypt. I know he was going to make me great... But I'm doubting that. I don't know. I don't have God's word. I'm going to go back. And that's what many Christians do. They'll go, oh, I'm going to follow God. I'm going to follow hard after him. I'm going to do... I'm going to follow... And then when they don't have God's word, when they don't have the teaching of the word of God making that solid foundation, then they start to doubt and they backtrack and they go back to the world. No, we, we, we need the Word of God. We need the Word of God. Guys, in this world, it's going to be difficult. Guys, it's going to be tough. It may not be easy. But the one thing you need more than anything is the Word of God. I like what David said. David said, Thy word I have hid in my heart that I may not sin against you. And I'm not even thinking about sinning. I'm thinking, God, the word I've hid in my heart, I just need to know it. Okay, here's a challenge. You ready? Here's a challenge. You ready? Here's a challenge. If they took away your Bible, do you know enough Bible in your heart, memorized that you you could do a Bible study, that you knew God's word? Do you know in your heart, not on your phone, not anywhere else, but you go, Man, the word of God in my heart, I memorized it. That's the goal. That's the challenge. That's the challenge. Now, in verses 8 through 26, guys, we see the names of the children of Israel, okay, all the way from the oldest to Reuben, all the way to Naphtali. You can read that, but let's jump to verse 26, okay? In verse 26, now, all the persons who went to Egypt came from his body besides Jacob's sons were... Sixty-six persons in all. So 66 people left Canaan and came to Egypt, verse 27. And the sons of Joseph who were born to him in Egypt were two persons. And the persons of the house of Jacob who went to Egypt were 70. So you say, okay, Joseph and his wife and his two boys, that's a total of 70. Okay, so we have 70. Where did they end up? Look at verse 28. Then he sent Judah before Joseph to point out before him the way to Goshen, and they came to the land of Goshen. Now, here's what I want to point out, okay? So, Joseph, they make it there. We're here. Dun, 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 dun. You know, they're, they're just reuniting, but he's like, where, where, where are we going to live? I mean, Egypt is big. Where are we going to go? And he says, go to the land of Goshen. And you go, okay, cool. What does that mean? Here's what, here, here's what we need to see. Um, I just want to point that. When it comes to Goshen, I want you to notice that Goshen is really outside of Egypt. It's still part of Egypt, but it's outside of Egypt. Everybody got that? Okay? So it's outside of Egypt. And yet the Bible gives great application for us. Why? Because in John 15, 19, it says this, the world would love you as one of its own, if you belong to it, but you are no longer part of the world, I chose you to come out of the world, so it hates you. So, Ben, what are you saying? Just like Goshen was part of Egypt, which is a type of the world, we too are called to be what? We're called to be in the world, but not of the world. That's exactly what he says. We are called to be in but not of. We're called to live in Goshen, but don't live in Egypt. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? We're in the world. Alex, we're in the world. We live in the world every day. Every day, there's people who don't know Jesus that cuss and have bad language and listen to horrible music and all that. We live in the world. I mean, there's no... It's part of it. But God called us not to be in that world. He says, be separate. Be separate. Come out from among them, says the Lord. So what did Joseph do? Verse 29. So Joseph made ready his chariot and he went to Goshen to meet his father Israel. And he presented himself. He fell on his neck and he wept a good while. Oh, how cool. Think about this. This is just the greatest reunion. He hasn't seen dad in a long time. And he saw his dad. And his dad said, son, I thought you were dead. Son, there hasn't been a day I haven't thought about you. And now here you are. And they wept. They wept. Do you ever wonder if it's going to be like that in heaven? The people that we miss so dearly, we're going to see them and we're just going to weep tears of joy we're just weeping, and it's going to be great. What a great family reunion when we get to heaven, right? What a great family reunion. People that have gone before that are waiting for us, man, I can't wait to show you. This is going to be so, so cool. I'll never forget the story, guys. When I was young growing up, they used to tell me the story of Easter and Jesus resurrecting and... And uh, they told me the story, and I would listen intently. I mean, I was just a young type, maybe maybe 8 or 10, and, and I would listen intently. Now, you remember, my mom died when I was just a baby, so I grew up without a mom. And they would talk about the resurrection. They would talk about the resurrection. And then they said that that Jesus was going to resurrect, and the people who had who had died were going to resurrect with him, right? They were quoting Thessalonians. And I used to think, I remember I used to think, wow, Easter Sunday is going to be so amazing because I'm finally going to get to see my mom that I had never seen before. And then as a little tyke, I remember thinking, is she going to recognize me? Will she know that I'm her little boy? Will she be, oh, this is going to be so glorious. And I used to picture downtown where they used to have the Easter egg hunt. I mean, this is how a kid thinks. Downtown in the Easter egg hunt, there's my mom. mom. There she'd be, I see her. I would see her. i get to see her. But coming to realize that, yeah, there is going to be a reunion, but it's not going to be downtown Santa Fe on Easter Sunday. It's going to be someday I'm going to see my mom again. It's going to be a great family reunion. Verse 30 says, Then Israel said to Joseph, Now let me die, since I have seen your face, because you are still alive. Then Joseph said to his brothers and to his father's household, I will go up and tell Pharaoh and say to him, My brothers and those of my father's house were in the land of Canaan, have come to me. The men are shepherds for their occupation has been freed or to feed livestock, and they have bought, brought their flocks, their herds, and all that they have. And it shall be when Pharaoh calls you and says, what is your occupation? You say, your servant's occupation has been with livestock from our youth until now. Both we and our fathers, that we may dwell in the land of Goshen, every shepherd is an abomination to the Egyptians. So here's the thing, right? Here's what I want you to see. The Egyptians were agriculture in the sense of farming crops. They considered sheep unclean. Therefore, they detested shepherds. You go, okay. Okay, so when you come to Goshen, you tell them, listen, you tell them that you're shepherds. You tell them this is the livestock, the cattle. This is what you tell them, okay? Because then he'll say, oh, you can't live in Egypt. You need to live in Goshen. I thought, wow, that's pretty good. Joseph is wise. He's wise, but I want you to let that sink in. You go, what's that? The Egyptians considered sheep <laughs> unclean and shepherds detestable. You go, okay, I got it, Ben. <laughs> Calm down. No, 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 let it sink in. Let it sink in. Why? Because Jesus said that the world is going to hate us, right? That's what Jesus said. But you know, the world hates Christians, Egypt being a type of the world, the world hates Christians, and it actually detests pastors. You go, "What do you mean? You see, we don't belong to the world anymore. See, the world once had a grip on us, and now it's, we're, we're free. We're free. And I thought, "Wow, isn't that how cool?" So what are we doing? We're in Goshen right now, guys. We're in Goshen as we wait for the promised land. We're in Goshen. So, hey, what are you doing? I'm in Goshen. What are you doing? Waiting for that day. Well, when's that day coming? It could be 20 years. It could be 50 years. It could be two days. I don't know. But I'm waiting. Well, what are you doing while you're waiting? I'm doing what God tells me to do. You know what our job is, church? Our job is to go after every single sheep that God wants us to go after. To tell them about the love of Christ. To give people in our world who has no hope, hope. There's not hope in a mask. There's not hope in social distancing. There's hope in Jesus. There's hope in Jesus. If people would find Jesus, they'd find their Peace. Now, as we close and the worship team makes their way up, we'll see how 70, check it out, we'll see how 70 people ended up in Egypt, guys, for over 420 years. This is the start. This is how it started, okay? And then God's going to use Moses to set them free. So, here 70 people come to Egypt because there's a famine. But eventually, they're going to end up there uh, 420 years until there's a pharaoh that's like, "Mm -mm. mm-mm, mm-mm. Here's the lessons. You guys ready? Let's recap the lessons. Okay? Our Number one, our tent pegs, the things that are holding us on earth, the things that we're working for, the idols that we have, um, make sure we have shallow tent pegs. Make sure there's nothing holding us as the Lord leads. God, what do you want to do? I'm ready to go. I always tell the pastors. I always tell them. I always tell the pastors on that, that are that are. Hey, I want to be a pastor. Okay, the first thing you do is you become debt free. Get debt free. Yeah, why? Why is that? Because, man, if God calls you to go somewhere else, you need to be ready to go. Shallow ten pegs. Isn't it funny how we accumulate so much stuff? You don't even know you're accumulating it until you have to move. And you're like, oh, my gosh, I didn't know I had... All. I know, we have more stuff in our house. I'm like, ah! I want to get rid of it. I want to get rid of it. I want to I, I just... Shallow ten pegs. That's the first lesson. The second lesson is, is asking God what He has for us, seeking Him before every decision, major or minor, seeking God. God, what do you have for us? The third thing I want to do, guys, is I want to prepare my mind and my heart for my final destination. I want to prepare my mind and my heart for my final destination. This is not my home. I want to know where I'm going. I want to know all about it. Number four, I want to be reminded that we're called, guys, to live in the world but not be of the world. We don't need to follow what they're doing. We need to be separate. We need to be different. And I want you to remember, this side of heaven, you're only going to get a glimpse of what God might be doing. And sometimes it might be hardship, and it might be stress, and it might be trials, and it might be tribulation. But trust the Lord that he's going to do something amazing. And you may not see it this side of heaven, but you'll see it. Trust him. Father, we thank you for your word tonight and the truth in your word, God. We thank you that you bless us so much. We thank you for just the great applications that you give us, Lord. And even now, we look forward to all that you have for us. I pray, God, for everybody here. I pray for everyone watching us online right now. And I often pray, if there's anybody that doesn't know you, God, that today would be the day they surrender to you. Lord, eternity is at, at at stake. Eternity with you. And I would pray that nobody would be separated from you for eternity. And, Lord, you are so amazing and so divine and so incredible that even now somebody might be just watching our page that doesn't even know about Calvary and they just happen to be stopped, just happen to be clicking on and, and so they're listening to this, God, and right now they're far from you. And they're asking, they're asking that one question. Does God love me? Does God really love me? Is there a God? And yes, the answer is yes. God loves you very much. Wherever you are right now, God loves you very much. And He has a plan for your life. but you need to open up your heart and you need to say yes to him he wants to come in he wants to give you hope he wants to give you peace he wants to bring comfort he wants to be your god he wants you to surrender everything to him so that you can live in eternity with him he's prepared a place for you but you've got to be willing you've got to say yes to him pastor how how do i say yes to him I, I'm so caught up in religion. Well, here's what you need to do. You need to believe with all of your heart that Jesus is God. And he died on the cross for you. He was buried, and three days later, he was resurrected. He's sitting at the right hand of the Father right now, interceding for you. And and here's what you need. You need to believe. You need to repent of your sins. You need to say, I'm done with the world. I'm done with that. I'm going to follow Jesus. And you need to invite him to come into your life and take lead. He cannot only be Savior. He has to be Lord. You say, Lord, I've messed up enough. It's you take lead, be my Lord, guide me. And that's when we say, I'm going to follow you forever. I'm yours in Jesus' name. And so we're giving you an opportunity just to say yes, just to respond, just to make it real. Lord, we believe that you bankrupted heaven so that we could be saved. We've dedicated our lives to serve you and to tell others about you. Holy Spirit, fill each and every one of of the people watching online, listening by podcast, whatever it might be. Lord, let them know of your incredible love for them, that you're not mad at them, that you're madly in love with them, and you're giving them an opportunity to join the family of God. But they need to say yes, God, because you'll never force your love on anyone. And you stand with your arms wide open, but it's so cool when we come running into your arms And so with every eye closed and every head bowed, if you would just pray this prayer, Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sins. I'm a sinner and need a Savior. I believe in you, Lord. I trust in you. I believe you died on the cross for me personally and that you, you were there three days and you resurrected God and, and I'm going to resurrect too. I put my trust in you and I, I surrender. I confess and I believe. And I choose to follow you this day forever. I'm yours. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Let's worship the Lord.
0: Hey, this is Pastor Josh. I hope this message has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. If it has, we would love to hear your story of how it has impacted you, or especially if you responded to the invitation to receive Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior. To get in touch or to receive more information, please contact us by phone at 806-799-2227 or send an email to calvarylubbock at hotmail.com. Again, that phone number is 806-799-2227. Also, if you want to partner with us financially to take the gospel to West Texas and the world, please click on the Donate button on calvarychapellubbock.org. Thanks for listening to the podcast.